Taste buds, if you are anything like me, and I think you are, one of your favorite things to do while vacationing is to enjoy delicious food and drinks. Well, at Universal Orlando Resort in Orlando, Florida, we just talked about all the delights in Orlando, you can find a vacation experience where even your taste buds get to go on adventure. Well, it would probably take an entire week to try all the food that they have down there at Universal Orlando. Here are some fan favorite stops that you got to hit. Start your day with a breakfast pizza. Oh, I love this. At their newest Universal Hotel, it's the Endless Summer Resort Surfside Inn and Suites. You can experience a mix of American, Mediterranean, and Asian fare cuisine at the award winning Mythos restaurant. You can cool off with a Waturi fusion ice cream cone at Universal's Volcano Bay. Get a taste of Italy for dinner. Oh, yes, sir. With freshly prepared pasta at Vivo Italian Kitchen and you satisfy your sweet tooth at the end with toothsome chocolate emporium and savory feast kitchen. Download Universal Orlando Resort's foodie bucket list on their blog and visit www.universalorlando.com to start planning your vacation today. Hungry homies, have you ever had a craft beer while doing yoga in an art museum? Well, apparently that's the kind of stuff that happens in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. No wonder it was named the Midwest coolest and most underrated city by Vogue magazine. Milwaukee even hosts the biggest music festival in the world. It's called Summerfest, and people actually surf there. It's sometimes random, but always wonderful. Go to visitmilwaukee.org plan to get your trip started. That's visitmilwaukee.org plan. All right, all right, all right. My hungry homies, my taste buds, my culinary comrades. We've done it. We are back. It is a glorious time to be a hungry homie. Welcome back to House of Carbs, the food podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people, on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your hungry host, Joe House. The 4th of July is upon us. It is officially grilling season, my culinary comrades. We have two old friends on this week to help us navigate all the ins and outs of what the next two months of grilling might entail. Our beloved Adam Rappaport is on to help with some summer flavors the beautiful summer palette, some grilling innovation, some t- techniques and recommendations in only the way that Rappo can deliver. And of course, our old friend, our belly correspondent, Jason Gay is back. He has up on the Wall Street Journal right now, 17 rules for a successful 4th of July cookout. We are going to talk to Rappo and get some of Bon Appetit's thoughts on the correct way to tackle your grilling over the next couple of months. But let's get in that belly first. 
with our belly correspondent, Jason Gay. All right, my hungry homies. What a week for House of Carbs. We are on the precipice of a great American holiday, probably the greatest American holiday, also a terrific eating holiday, perfect time to reconnect with old pals, compare some notes, share some pointers. On the line right now, he is an old friend of House of Carbs. He is a sports columnist at the Wall Street Journal and a humor columnist at the Wall Street Journal, as well as a devoted belly correspondent here at House of Carbs. Jason Gay, welcome back, buddy. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Joe. And, and uh, I really do feel like I was uh, Series A of the uh, House of Carbs investment team. That's a, that is my uh, <laughs> yeah. co-host, JoJo in the background. So if you occasionally hear comments, they are coming from a four-year-old who is fired up for 4th of July, as are you and I, Joe House. Well, I, I know you have a hot dog uh, in the works for, for JoJo, hopefully multiple hot dogs. But before we get going, we, we're going to go through a survival guide. You wrote a, a, a little piece for the journal, survival uh, guide for the most important summer job for adults, which is Grillmaster. But before we get to that, I want to commend you. You are not in New York. You are not in the greater metropolitan area even. You are on vacation, and I believe you vacated the greater New York metropolitan area right as the NBA free agency commenced. So you were, you were able to uh, avoid you know one fan base being really happy and one fan base being really sad was was this deliberate brother gay it, it is absolutely deliberate i have to get out of town before the free agency curtain drops you know how it's it's one of the most uh, insufferable nights of uh, sports viewing possible because you know it's just like mass psychological trauma for the entire nba twitter i have fled to the island of martha's vineyard as we speak joe i am in Edgartown, massachusetts in line to go across to chapel clinic on the chapel clinic ferry which may be the most preppy thing that's ever been said on house of cards and that might be a high bar why well, <laughs> that's true because we, we we do take it um we're not afraid to get waspy over here on occasion jason gay there are some there are some some eating traditions new england eating traditions that we've honored and and uh celebrated in, including the the lobster roll now i don't want to reveal all of my insider angles when it comes to new england dining but i have been to martha's vineyard uh in fact i was married on martha's vineyard and wow. i have a, a perspective on some of the great eating establishments on the island i'm not prepared to share my lobster roll uh hangout but there are four or five options and and folks who visit the island can can guess it's one of the four or five that you would expect that's all that's all i'm willing to say jason I'll, I'll throw one out there if you want for folks who want a recommendation for a lobster on Martha's Vineyard. Grace Church in Vineyard Haven. That's right. A church has a lobster roll evening. I can't remember exactly what day it is. It's a good it's, deal. 
and it's phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's it's either Thursdays or Fridays. I mean, part yeah. of the problem is I lose track of the days when I'm up there. It's an end of the week thing for sure at the Grace Church. Well, with a lobster roll. But that is one of the four or five. You, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm, we're in sync here. I mean, the, with a lobster roll, the key is to just you know. Don't let those prices shock you. You're not going to feel like you're ever getting a bargain. And in fact, you, if you do feel like you're getting a bargain with a lobster roll, you probably should put the lobster roll down. Uh, you know, it is not a, um, a a discount buy. But, you know, freshness is the key, Joe House, as it is with mostly everything. That, that is uh, the perfect segue into this uh... 17 rules that you prepared. Now, you you shared with all of uh, America's taste buds, America's hungry homies, your 17 rules for a 4th of July cookout. I yeah. believe that we are you know, right on the precipice of two, two wonderful months of nonstop grilling. So I think these rules apply not just for the 4th of July cookout, but really any cookout, all the cookouts that are going to happen between now and yeah. September. Um, yeah. So uh, let, 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 let's... Let's start with with uh, your, your your thoughts on on the the important role of of the grill master. Oh, okay. I mean, listen. You are the star of the show. You are the prima ballerina. You are the center of attention all day on July Fourth. If summer is grilling season, July Fourth is grilling Christmas. There's a lot of attention on you. There's a lot of pressure. Um, you probably will have more guests than you ever will if you're you know having the cookout or barbecue on your own and uh you know it's not a time to be shy you know you need to be prepped you need to be confident you need to have a little bit of swagger to it i suggest if you haven't done a little bit of dry run grilling in advance of the crowd you should do that but yeah we had a little fun in the journal about just the art of the summer or the fourth of july cookout because you know i've had some good ones and i've had some bad ones i think i'm getting better joe you know i feel like Unlike most things, you actually get better with age with grilling. This is this is true. I, I agree with this. Now, one of the things I liked you emphasizing, reminding everybody, there is a performance element to the grill master role. You want Absolutely. all of the guests at this convening to uh, uh, understand that you are master of, of your domain. When it when it comes to the grill, there's a there's a reassurance that you know you don't even know it as a guest that you're looking for reassurance from the grill master, but we all are, I, I believe. It's like getting on that transatlantic flight, and that pilot comes out, and he or she has that look that says, "I've been doing this for quite a long time," and they have just that confidence projection that you want. I want to just be sort of kept in someone's, you know, warm. Uh, experienced bosom in a grilling experience. I don't want some rookie. I don't need a first timer. I don't need some trial balloon happening. I want someone who's seen it all at a grill. <laughs> so speaking of seeing it all at the grill, what is your view on the role of guests in terms of, of bringing items uh, to the grill, are you um, the kind of person? And in, 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 in the rules, do you contemplate permitting guests to bring ingredients and, and have requests in terms of grilled items? Or uh, if you're if you're I'm the grill master, that, that means you you're in charge. Oh, I'm, you're I'm, you're fine I'm, with that. I'm okay, fine so you're with people bringing. I, I I don't. I feel like after the age of twenty five, I am not so into the potluck thing. I think if you're throwing a party after the age of twenty five, thirty, you should have food for everybody and. 
you know, asking everyone to bring something, you know, look, it's not, you know, the co-op board meeting. Come on, people. But I feel <laughs> like you should have a little bit of wiggle room if someone brings something, you know, say you have a fisherman guest, someone just caught some striped bass, wants to throw that on the grill. Absolutely. Who says no to that? If someone has some, I don't know, uh, a Swiss shard that they want to grill or some sweet corn, absolutely. I just think that very strongly you have to have house rules with the grill, which means that you can bring the food as the guest, but you're not setting the parameters of how that thing is going to be grilled. You wouldn't bring food okay. into David Chang's restaurant and tell David Chang how to cook it, would you? No, no, sir. Absolutely not. I just compared myself well, to David let... Chang. Can you believe the chutzpah? <laughs> I, I, I can't. Well, here's the thing, and here's the difference between you and David Chang. David Chang, um, there's a reasonable chance that he would know how to cook any ingredient that was walked into his restaurant, yeah. a protein or a vegetable, whatever. Um, I don't mean to demean or diminish your own grilling skills, your, your grilling potency, Brother Gay, but if somebody <laughs> walks up to you, with with a with a I don't even know what you call it a bundle of Swiss chard a, a, uh, <laughs> a an array of Swiss chard I don't know what 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 uh, form Swiss chard arrives in is it a head of a conclave of Swiss chard a conclave of Swiss chard what are you gonna do with it brother what are you gonna do with it oh uh, I think when in doubt some oil and some uh, aluminum foil that might be an amateur move but it's kind of hard to that up right a little bit of boiling oil a little bit of tin foil never hurt any vegetable it always seems to work out right i you know, like to this day i still have not mastered the art of grilling corn i've heard all kinds of approaches to it i've never completely dialed it in i feel it's like golf i'm just never going to have that perfect round on the grill oh, so you know some days the meats will go all right but the fishes won't Someday the fishes are dry, but the meats are off and the veggies are off. Vegetables are a real wild card. I don't know how your skill, what your skills are like, Joe, but, you know, you have good days and bad days. You know, the point is, it's a game of percentages. You want to be in the high 80s percent, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with this. I mean, my own approach to vegetables is to set expectations extremely low. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I just, I warn everybody if there's vegetables coming, I'm fine with it. Like we can go ahead and take a bunch of vegetables and stick them on a skewer and roll them around. I'll, I'll put a, a small, you know, swipe of oil and definitely salt. Like the important thing to me with vegetables on the grill, oh, yeah. there's gotta be some salt. Cause that, that's, you know, you want to, yeah. uh, uh, have a little bit of the, the you want to elicit the flavor and diminish whatever moisture, the vegetables yeah. carrying, but it's like, it's just going to be how it's going to be. I'm not going to get it. The temperature perfect. It's not going to come out, uh, you know, with a perfect char. Um, I might like put all the vegetables together in a single uh, vehicle. It may all go into a basket together so that oh, I'm sure. not dropping them. You know, your, your, your pieces of pepper aren't falling through the grates. Um, so I, I, that's my strategy and technique with the vegetables is to just keep expectations where they belong, which is, you know, sure, that is my technique way at the bottom. Virtually everything in life is to keep expectations <laughs> and try to raise them from there. I mean, come on. And everything in writing and my you know marriage and my children, everything. 
as long as that nobody <laughs> expects nothing from me, you know, I'm going to overachieve. I have a question for you, and I, I alluded to this in our, in our uh, column, but, but I, I feel like a, an overlooked element to the cookout is timing. I feel many a great griller has botched a cookout by getting going too late. You, you're getting the grill going. People are three drinks in. It's starting to get ugly. They're pulling down wheat thins in the kitchen. You want that thing, I don't want to say like piping hot by the time the first guest walks in the door, but you want to be ready to go. You want to be prepped, have that thing hot and rolling so you can get right down into it. This is probably the single best piece of advice that that uh, emanates from from your column, and it is the the preparedness thing, and it does resonate. This is the thing about the stage of life that we are in, uh, brother Jason. We at this advanced age, uh, at least that I occupy, I, I, the, the the thing I I don't want to do is have any interface with the guests except for on my terms, which means. I never want to apologize for shit. I don't want to be apologizing for anything. I just yeah. want to drink and cook and drink and cook. And so yeah. the best way to avoid having that kind of contact, that unintentional, undesirable contact, is to just be ready. Have all yeah. the stuff kind of pulled together. It's not going to be yeah. perfect. I'm not going to have the exact temperature of the grill uh, there, but I know that that I will have a, a nice cold beer in my hand as as the guests arrive that part will be under wraps and the meat will be mostly ready and mostly assembled and so after everybody's kind of through that first drink halfway through it's fine to start throwing some easy cook stuff on there let's get a couple brats going let's get some dogs going for the kids so the kids aren't losing their mind right absolutely and and i'm glad you mentioned the the brats because you know i did go to college in wisconsin you got to have the brats and you got to have the sweets and you got to have the hot Oh, sausage is sort of a perfect kind of uh, uh, pregame show, if you will. Get it going early. And you did mention alcohol, Joe. And I want to say to all you cooks out there, keep the game face together, okay? Let's not just get completely wobble-legged early on this thing. Save that for the s'mores. It's fun. <laughs> Anyone can do s'mores completely in the bag. But I don't want you cooking, you know, striped bass three sheets of the wind here. But that that goes right to the earlier point we made about you know instilling confidence in the guests. If if you can't instill confidence, if you can't get all of your 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 words out, so yeah. you know the <laughs> avoid avoid the slur. Let's avoid the slur at the beginning. Now, other things to avoid. I'm interested in your take on this. For the purposes of a cookout with with guests that that you know uh, are for a holiday event like this, do you marinate or do you skip the marinade? I skip it. I can't lie. I mean, I wish I could say that I was somebody who obsessed about marinades and I had my steaks already marinating right now in the fridge, but it's not the case. And I believe very strongly I get an oil and salt and pepper, and I think that can do the job just as well, especially for something about a cookout, which I think fundamentally needs to be casual. I think it doesn't need to be the kind of thing where you have sophisticated ingredients and herbs and all that kind of stuff. If you have that capacity, if that's in your repertoire, Phenomenal. Much respect, but I don't think it's compulsory. I, I'm right there with you. I feel like um, it's fine to have cookouts where it's a smaller uh, convening, where you're maybe having a few couples over, 
and you've collaborated with the group on on maybe a certain like uh, game plan for the meal. You have some 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 meat, pork shoulder, or something that you want to do. You want to try something that's a little out of the ordinary, and you've you've already cleared it with the guests that you're going to try this this you know this kind of uh, innovation perhaps with with a marinade or you know you could do some classic uh steak marinade preparation as well whatever your your walk of life but that's not what you're trying to do with a cookout to to feed the hungry masses right i don't think so and 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 if, and if you do have masses i think keeping it simple is best i think it's nothing wrong with burgers and hot dogs I, that's what i want i you know listen I, you know, am perfectly happy to not have some sort of like, you know, uh, uh, New York uh, strip sirloin on Fourth of July. If you give me a hot dog, if you give me a burger, if you give me some fixings, I am a happy, happy camper. I want cold beer. With that, of course, this is not some sort of event to show off. You want to get people happy. You want to get them fed, and you want to get them out the door the fireworks and that is to me the great dirty little secret of the fourth of july is as an ending because everybody has to go to get to the fireworks that's it and that's why the timing that you mentioned in terms of having that that preparation at the beginning that's crucial that's crucial this is why you are through the windows of their car as they're leaving no that's it that's as, as they roll away jason gay the the column is 17 rules for your fourth of july cookout you still have time hungry homies to prepare the cookouts not till thursday this show is up you're listening to it our number one belly correspondent jay gay buddy thanks for coming on today hey i appreciate it and folks if you're on martha's vineyard over the fourth of july stay away from my house you're not invited i'm just kidding jay you can come <laughs> everybody bring it on bring the dog thank you i love dogs bye-bye all right thanks again jason All right, my enormous thanks to Jason Gay. I think we have heard some of the strategies, techniques, and tips, my hungry homies, for successful grilling in this 2019 summer grilling season. We are about to get to Rappaport, Adam Rappaport, Bon Appetit's own for some summer grilling recipes and innovative strategies. But first, quick word from our friends at Luminary. Hungry homies, I love the podcast, The Trip. So I am checking out Luminary because it's the only place you can find new episodes of that show. You want to get intoxicated in far off lands with exceptional people. That's what summer is about. That's vacationing. So gather your earbuds. Emmy winner and former Anthony Bourdain collaborator, Nathan Thornburg of Roads and Kingdoms, roams the intersection of travel, food, and culture with raw, intimate conversations over drinks with food luminaries like Sami Nosrat, Jose Andres, and world traveler W. Kamal Bell and more. In addition to the trip, Luminary gives you access to a bunch of other original shows from innovative, dynamic creators you can't find anywhere else. The Luminary app is free to download And in addition to the can't-miss originals, you can use it to listen to thousands of podcasts, including the ones you already love, like this one, all enhanced by an easy-to-use interface with personalized content recommendations. There are a lot of podcasts out there. It's helpful to get some recommendations if you're a fan of this one. You might get directed to, to a couple others 
that can help you with your hungry homey problems. Whether you're into food, travel, culture, comedy, or more, Luminary has the right show for you. If you love podcasts, then you need to check out Luminary. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash carbs. After that, it's $7.99 a month. $7.99 per month. That's luminary.link slash carbs. C-A-R-B-S for two months of free access. Luminary.link slash carbs. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. Taste Buds Today Show also brought to us by Zip Recruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go one place to get it done. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, Listeners of House of Carbs can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs, C-A-R-B-S, ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Taste Buds, our guest today, an old, old, old friend of the pod, maybe our, our oldest friend. I turned on the television last week. Uh, it was a, a a Wednesday morning, and I run by Good Morning America. He's he's on television making s'mores for Michael Strahan, and I I have to confess, I I got a little, I was I was jealous. So our boy Adam Rappaport on the line right now, editor in chief of Bon Appetit magazine. Rappo, what's happening? Joe House, how are you doing? Glad to be back. So. We we are right on the brink of another great American holiday and another great eating holiday. Uh, as is our way here on House of Carbs, we'd love to have you on as the kind of seasonal palate changes. We're right in the midst of summer. Like here in Washington, D.C., it's going to be 90 degrees probably for the next uh, two and a half months. So <laughs> that that means it's time to do... Some grilling. We're in the real sweet spot of the grilling season. We're right on the brink of it. So let's help out the hungry homies out there with some of what you guys at Bon Appetit have been up to. Your issue right now on the newsstands. It is your summer grilling issue. Now is the time for some Adam Rappaport uh, points and pointers. Yeah. So, all right. I'm just going to dive right in here. It was Saturday. I was at this great farm stand butcher shop out of Long Island called Eight Hands, where they, they raise a lot of like pork and lamb, and it, it's awesome. And it was like 5 p.m., and I was in there, and they had this great-looking pork shoulder, which is typically what you use to make um, pulled pork or bosom, that sort of stuff. And it was all rolled and tied up and just gorgeous looking. And I was like, that looks great, but I don't have like eight hours to smoke pork shoulder. I had like two hours before dinner. And then 
I remember this video that Carla Music, our food director, just shot of she made these gorgeous um, gojujang pork shoulder steaks uh, from this chef, Rachel Yang, out in Seattle, um, where you take a pork shoulder, you slice it into about three-quarter-inch steaks, and then you marinate it uh, in this sort of sweet and spicy um, sauce. Gojujang is a Korean sort of chili paste. Uh, you also throw in a bunch of garlic, a bunch of ginger, some sake, some mirin. You throw that all in a blender, and you got this bright orange sauce, and you let the steaks marinate. So, um, two things. A... We in America always think there's only certain things you can grill, and I, I think we're wrong. Um, in, with Korean grilling, which you and I have talked about before, they will take cuts like short rib, brisket, pork shoulder that we think you have to braise for hours and hours. And if you slice them thin enough, you can grill them over medium-high heat, and they're so juicy and so flavorful um, that it sort of changes the way you think about what is a quote-unquote grilling cut? Um, so let let, let so, me ask you a couple questions before you, you, you yeah. keep going, because I, I will tell you some of what intimidates me about the idea of buying a big cut of meat and then cutting it down is I'm not like a confident butcher. So like, how good is your knife? Do you have to have great knife skills when you're cutting these into uh, the proper steaks? What do you do? You don't if you ask your butcher to do it for you. Brilliant, of course. Whether that means a butcher shop or an actual butcher counter. Um, in this case, you know, it was boneless pork shoulder already all rolled up and tied that you would have bought as a roast, like, you know, doing a Dutch oven and braise for hours. So I just told the guy, I'm like, listen, can you just take four beautiful little three-quarter of inch slices, you know, steaks out of that rolled and boneless uh, shoulder. I mean, it almost looked like a, a larger version of what a filet mignon or what a beef tenderloin would look at. So you just like yeah. slice right into these rounds. Um, yeah. And he, here's what he has like, a knife. What, he, he knows how to do yeah, it. He's got it. Exactly. <laughs> so that's in my mind, I was like, all right, great looking pork shoulder. I know I can make it into steaks because I watched Carla Music on our YouTube channel, Bon Appetit YouTube channel, do it. But I was like, okay, I don't have any gochujang. I do have ginger and garlic back home. And, you know, I've got some cooking oil. Uh, I don't have any mirin. I don't have any sake. But I was like, you know what? Screw that. I can riff here. So I bought today at the farm stand, they sell homemade uh, sriracha sauce. And sriracha is similar to gochujang. It's still a chili sauce. You know, it's got some garlic and sugar in there, but that's fine. And while I did not have sake or mirin at home, I did have a fridge full of rosé. And I'm like, you know, wine is wine, basically. And if you're going <laughs> to throw it all in a Cuisinart and puree it, it's like, it's, it's, it's close enough. It's spicy. Huh. It's sweet. It's garlicky. It's gingery. There's some alcohol in there. Honestly, you probably would not be able to tell the difference between the the puree the puree marinade that I made and the one that Carla made in the video. And and the the point is like embrace whatever the most important element of a recipe is and riff on it from there. In this case, the most important element was grilling a braising cut of meat. So taking that pork shoulder, it could have been a short rib or something, and marinating it in something spicy and sweet. And that's what I did. And I grilled it, and it was so effing good, Joe. I mean, it was so good. Super crispy and shellacked and charred on the outside. And I nailed it like a perfect medium 
slash medium rare, so it's still a little bit pink and super juicy on the inside. And all that sort of intramuscular fat that you see in a pork shoulder, that just sort of melts, and that turns into pure flavor. And God, it was good. So I have two questions for you. First of all, I don't remember seeing this on the Instagram. Did you post it? I did post it. You were probably out playing golf and you weren't paying attention. It's um, a great point. You know, it probably no, was. Maybe, maybe I did it. Maybe my wife gets so annoyed with me because I'm always taking pictures of everything before we eat. You know, she's like, "Can we just eat already? Can you have to take a picture of everything?" And I'm like, "Yes, it is literally my job to take a picture of everything. Like that's what I literally get paid to do. And if I'm not posting on Instagram, I'm literally not doing my job. So just." Bear with me. I mean, I get the frustration, but it's like I, I have to do what I have to do. I get um, so, yeah, it. So I, I, I I've become uh, that annoying guy as well. Well, the reason I ask is because we will post uh, together on uh, at the House of Carbs, and then you can post it as well when this episode goes up because the Hungry Homies really love it when we give them a little visual to go along with what we're talking about with these recipes and these techniques. Here's my other question for you, and the other aspect of what I was intimidated by as you were describing this. So we've solved how do we cut these properly <laughs> because the butcher will do that for us. How about um, cooking a, a white meat like this in a way that prevents it from drying out, even with the marinade? And, and, and I want, I'm interested yeah. in how long do you marinate it? And then tell me the, the cooking sort of technique, the duration. How do you, how do you conquer that? Yeah, so and I'm going to get to because I have, I have a, a, a secondary thought on marinade coming up next, um, which sort of it helps imbue uh, cuts of meat with with a lot more flavor and moisture. But all right, one thing like first of all, when it comes to pork, um, buy good pork. Like and we talked about this before, also. But if you buy good pork chops, like the kind of a good butcher or farm stand, like the heritage breed where there's actual fat around the outside. Um, they're just beautifully raised, uh, humanely raised and all that. Um, you don't have to cook it all the way through. A good pork chop should be just below medium. You know what I mean? It should still be a good pork chop should be just below medium. It should still be a little bit pink in the center and a little bit juicy. Just like anything else, don't overcook it. If you overcook any cut of meat, it's gonna be dry, um, and I, I so you know I buy a good pork chop now like I do buy like a, a good ribeye, and I make sure to sort of keep it sort of not overcooked. I, I want it juicy. I want it a little bit pink on the inside still. Well, so what? How long and what temperature? Like I know you're a charcoal uh, uh, kind of guy, so like how hot okay. do you feel like your grill is, and how long do you have these things well, on there? Okay, in general, I would say this. I mean, obviously, it depends on how thick. Uh, the cut of meat, whether it's a pork shoulder steak or a pork rib chop, um, you know, I always if you it always helps if you're grilling to go a little bit thicker to give yourself a little bit more cushion, you know, because if it's too thin, it's going to cook really really quickly. Yeah, I always feel if you're doing any if you're doing any sort of steak, you want that grill almost as hot as possible. You don't want flare-ups. You don't want the, the, the flames leaping up because of dripping fat. But by the time you get it crispy on each side, and especially if you turn it on its edge, you get that outer fat cap crispy it's gonna be done you know what i mean especially yeah. if it's a thinner cut if it's, if it's only an inch thick by the time you get one side super crispy you barely have to flip it over before the the, the steak or the pork chop is done and, and, okay. and i think as you grill more you just got to touch it touch it with your finger if it's getting really yeah. firm that means it's totally done it, it should still have some give to it okay so it's, it's basically the same all the same principles you would use for for a steak for a ribeye 
it's the same basic cooking technique, the same basic approach, right? Yeah, and I and honestly, I, I even extend this to chicken. If you if you have some good marinated chicken breasts or boneless chicken thighs, um, and I love boneless chicken thighs for grilling, they just have a lot more flavor and natural fat in them. Um, you know, by the time you get that one side super crispy and crunchy and crisp and beautiful and glazed and whatnot, you flip it over, it's going to be cooked through on a hot grill. You know, it's like you, you, you don't need to cook things as for as long as you think. Um, and trust, let, let me yeah, ask, use the forest. Yeah, right. Uh, in that same vein, what is the temperature of um, this pork? Like, did you let it sit out after you bought it? Would it go like refrigerator to grill? Do you need to try and let it, you know, get um, warmed up a bit before you put it on the grill? Like, what's your strategy for that? Yeah. Um, in general, with any sort of steak, you know, you, you typically most people you want to let you want to let them sit out for about an hour before you throw them on the grill. You want to let them come to come to temperature, as they say, so they're not cold in the middle still. Um, you know, so I you know I I came home I. I made up the marinade, threw it in a Ziploc bag, threw it in the fridge for an hour while I did this and that, took it out, let it sit there for maybe an hour while I got the rest of my sort of vegetables and whatnot ready. Um, yeah, and then just threw it on the grill. And while I was on the grill, I had some reserved marinade and was brushing it uh, with that stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's, again, it's so hard to say with grilling just because, like, how hot is your grill? How thick are, are your cuts of meat? Right, but, right. You know, any any steak is always going to take if it's crispy and gorgeous on the outside it's done you know I love it okay so you mentioned uh you you gave us a little foreshadowing about another strategy that you're using to ensure um you know the the sort of uh flavor uh of the marinade is imparted um to this to this cut of meat and we're talking about braising meat that we're now converting into grilling meat. Let's talk about what that, that technique is all about, bro. Okay. So we have a piece in our June, July issue called marinate after grilling. Um, and this is kind of a riff on a classic Spanish technique, Mediterranean called escabeche, uh, where a lot of times they'll grill fish, often kind of a white fish, flaky fish. That's not too flavor forward. Um, and then, sort of bathe it in a vinegary, oniony uh, sort of vinaigrette, if you will. Um, and the fish sort of absorbs all that bright, clean, acidic flavor. Uh, so you have the crispy char of the skin, the flaky, delicate white flesh, and then something that sort of just adds a little oomph to it. So we're like, all right, well, we can take that same philosophy and apply it to steak, chicken, pork chops, etc. So uh, on Good Morning America, for instance, for our, our, our guy, George Stephanopoulos, George wanted steak. So we did uh, a, a dish from up from this new issue called uh, Soy Sauce Marinated grilled flank steak with scallions. And so what you do is this. So you got a flank steak, which is a really popular grilling cut because you can feed a crowd with flank steak. There's no bones. It's relatively lean. It's a pretty easy cut to handle. And you see those striations in the muscle on a flank steak. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yes, which yes. Means it, which makes it, it, it makes it very easy to cut across the grain because you know exactly where the grain is. Like you can't miss it. Um, so with this one, you salt and pepper the steak, like 
you know, pretty liberally like you would any steak. You grill it till it's nice and charred and gorgeous on the outside, medium rare on the inside. Let it rest for five minutes. You slice it, and you've got some grilled scallions also. You put it on your plate, on your serving platter, and then you take the marinade, uh, which is essentially soy sauce, some light brown sugar, a little distilled wine vinegar, a bit of sriracha, some toasted sesame oil, and a little mirin, the sweet Japanese rice wine. And you just pour that all over the steak. So all of a sudden, you know, the crispy grilled charred steak is sort of luxuriating in this sweet, salty marinade that otherwise would have been left in the kitchen in a bowl or a Ziploc bag somewhere. It's like, why leave all the good stuff in the kitchen, you know? Like, take that marinade and give it to the steak after it comes off the grill instead of before it goes on the grill. So you know that I have 50 questions. Um, okay, go it's, ahead. It, it's my way. So you 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 kind of answered one of them. You're you're saying with this flank steak, you would not pre-marinate it. You would you would just go no. ahead and cook it straight up, salt and pepper. Do you um, cut the meat at all before you put it on the grill? Or you just cook it like a regular steak uh, on the grill. Come on, Joe. Come on, Joe House. Come on, seriously. <laughs> No, I, I, you, just, you just take that take that full flank steak yeah. like you would any other steak. Listen, anytime you go to any good steakhouse, when you order a steak, you're getting salt and pepper. Like that is what your steak is seasoned with. So that's this is normal for steak. Um, you know, this is. And you, let me tell case, you why I, you, I'm asking. Yeah, you, I, and 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 um, it's because I'm trying to get my head around this idea of how a steak that um, you know you cook sort of normally. And then you present it with the, with this marinade after the fact. How's the marinade have any ability to uh, adhere to the meat? Well, okay, because you take the steak off the grill, medium rare, nice sear on the outside. Let it rest five minutes so the juices inside sort of collect inside. You slice it against the grain, so then when you lay it, fan it out on the platter, it's oh. in slices. It's exposed, and then you bathe oh, okay. it in this beautiful marinade. So that marinade soaks into every single slice. And so as you're as you're there dining, you might take your piece and you put it back in there, and you swab up a little bit more of that marinade, you know. And it's like, mm, and, and the meat juices sort of mingle with the marinade. Yeah. So you. Do you- you have to let the steak. How long do, does a, a flank steak? If you if you or I were just to cook a regular flank steak, how long do you let that rest so that the meat settles I would in? Say, bef- you know, it it could be you know ten minutes is fine. You know? Ten minutes is fine, and then you slice it as in the ordinary course, yeah. and then you introduce the marinade post slice, post all the juices having settled in properly, and uh, once you've you've uh, coated it, once it's been soused properly what how long do you let do you let it sit an additional um period of time for the marinade to take effect that's that's a good question because i'm reading bon appetit magazine right now and it says after you've (laughs) you know drizzled the 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 marinade and yada 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 drizzle i don't want to drizzle i I want to i want to i want to shower you 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 pour the marinade on, but then you take any of those juices from the cutting board that were left on the cutting board and drizzle yeah. that back on top. Okay. Um, it says let's sit at least 15 minutes or up to an hour if you want to serve it as more of a room temperature sort of thing. I'm like, if the thing is, my deal is like, you know, they're like, oh, let it rest 10 minutes. Wait for this. I'm like, 
I want some steak. I want some now. I am not waiting 25 minutes to eat my steak. So I'm just saying, like, that's what the the fancy test kitchen editors at Bon Appetit recommend. I know I'm going to give you maybe five to seven minutes resting before I slice, and then maybe five minutes uh, sort of luxuriating in that sauce before I eat it, because I'm not waiting 25 minutes. That's just me. Well, you, you, you and I are the exact same uh, walk of life. You know me. If, I, if I've gone to all the trouble of cooking it, I've gone to all the trouble of preparing the grill and the charcoal and everything like that and getting it to temperature. I bought the meat and, uh, you know, the salt and pepper, and I've let the meat sit to get to a temperature where it cooks properly all the way through. Once that meat's cooked, I want to eat it. So I don't want to. Ha- I don't. Yeah. I, I don't have the patience to sit around and 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 wait. Uh, although I do understand the principle of letting this. Uh, w- w- do we have this technique? Do we have a name for the technique? A post marinade? What, what's the? What are we calling it? Reverse uh, marinade? Kind of a hang. Yeah, reverse marinade. Reverse marinade hangout. You know, a hangout sesh. Um, yeah. But yeah. So. But yeah, you wanted to absorb the flavors, and so yeah. So in this article, we've got for pork chops, we have recipes for grilled chicken with lemon and thyme. And the nice thing about, for instance, when you are grilling meats that have not been pre-marinated, like chicken with the skin on, that the chicken goes on the grill, and you can get it really padded dry. So if you ever make roast chicken at home, you want that skin as dry as possible before it goes in the oven, because moisture is the enemy of crispy. You know what I mean? Mm, So it's the same thing with grilling. And so when you don't marinate chicken, for instance, you pat down that skin, get as dry as possible, and that's what's going to give you really crispy, nicely charred skin. And then you sort of souse it up with the the lemon and the olives and the thyme mm. and the you know that mm. olive oil and, and that's going to give you that sort of again that that, that the, the flavor on the platter uh instead of back in the kitchen okay so I, I i like this very much and i will say this i think one strategy that might work for me my my walk of life i don't want to speak for you although uh we've we've done enough eating together that i bet this would work with for you as well if I if I'm having a drink, if I know that I have a drink and it's a fresh what do you mean? drink, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? If you're having a drink, <laughs> well, we've we, we've had a drink during the grilling session, but we, we, okay. there needs to be a deliberate like um, while this is marinating, drink commitment. Like I need to give this the ten minutes to get the full benefit, the full effect of the reverse marinade hangout, and we're calling it the reverse marinade hangout. That hangout needs to have. Uh, you know, uh, 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 some alcohol component to it. Let's talk about what our alcohol of choice. Now, obviously, I know you're a vodka soda, um, and that's obviously what you're drinking during the grilling. But if it's if it's if it's hot out grilling season, is there some other alternative uh, beverages that we might think about that might go along with this uh, exercise? There are, and and I can refer to our wine editor, Marissa A. Ross, uh, who lives out there in sunny L.A. Uh, with some of her recommendations. But first, I'm going to go to bat, and I know this is like, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I, you know what I want? You know what I love right now? I love a rosé spritzer. I take some rosé. I put it on ice, and I hit it with some club soda. Because if I'm, if I'm drinking all day or grilling, like, I, I want to extend the party. You know what I mean? And like, I will put anything on ice and I will put anything with, with club soda. So I'm like, it feels like, I am literally, I, cause I also feel like rosé can be too sweet sometimes. So I'm like, this kind of cuts the sweetness, extends it a little bit. So I got a glass with ice and bubbly water and you guys rosé in there. 
I know it's not quote unquote manly or whatever, but I don't care. That's what I'm drinking right now. All right, my culinary comrades, quick break from this chat with Rappo. I want to talk about Ben and Jerry's ice cream. That's right. It's summer, and summer is prime ice cream season. It is the time as the days are long and you're done with dinner and you want to sit out on the porch and watch the sunset. Let the, the heat of the day evaporate away with a beautiful pint of Cherry Garcia, which is the Joe House way. The Cherry Garcia on the porch with the sun setting. Treat yourself to a favorite flavor anywhere ice cream is sold or find yourself a new favorite at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y dot com. Hungry homies, support for House of Carbs today brought to you by Smart Water. Great taste deserves great tasting water. That's why Smart Water created two more ways to hydrate with the same great taste you know and love. New Smart Water Alkaline and Smart Water Antioxidant. Smart Water Alkaline has 9 plus pH to help keep you hydrated while you are on the move. Whether you're climbing up a mountain or doing mountain climbers on your mat or even just going from kitchen to table, Grab a bottle of Smart Water Alkaline to move with you. Or if you're looking for a moment of zen, Smart Water Antioxidant with added selenium helps you find balance for your body and mind. So the next time you are craving me time, grab Smart Water Antioxidant. And now there's a way to order Smart Water. Just ask Alexa, order Smart Water, and the rest is taken care of. Yourself will thank yourself. Smart Water, that's pretty smart. That's what I'm drinking right now. Yeah, I don't care. The manly part is ridiculous. We're old now. Nobody, yeah. we don't, we're past yeah, giving a shit about uh, trying to impress our, any, any friends of ours, male or female or otherwise. We just want to drink what we want to drink. You have walked squarely into the center of this controversy and and I'm not uh familiar enough with it. The Aperol spritzer is is highly contentious right now. Um and I don't know if that extends to the rosé spritzer as well, but I well, the thing I well, there's, go ahead. there's a there's a spritz and a spritzer. <laughs> I think a wine spritzer back in the day. That's yeah. kind of an Americanized thing. I guess an Americanization of an Italian drink where the spritz, you've got usually Prosecco, some sort of Amaro-like product, like Amaro, a Campari, Aperol. Um, sometimes you've got club soda on top of that. So, But basically it's Prosecco and a sort of digestive sort of uh, infuser. My issue, so the T New York Times did a piece, like a very internet-y piece, like, calling bullshit on the Aperol spritz. The problem was a lot of people like the Aperol spritz. The other problem was that the piece itself was, it was, it's like, if you're going to talk a lot of internet smack, you better be able to write it in a way that is internet-y and not kind of wine calm nerdy. Um, that's a whole other issue. But I will say this. I enjoy, I like my version of Aperol spritz. I do think an Aperol spritz in general is way too sweet. People put way too much Aperol in the glass and it turns to that neon orange and it's too syrupy. I don't like that. What I do love to do is get like a big wine glass, fill it with ice, fill it 95% the way with Prosecco, 
and then just throw in like a dash of Aperol, almost like you would do bitters in a drink. And so like that, that sort of turns it a nice blush, gives it a nice sort of orange blush, but it doesn't make it that cloying, overbearing Aperol syrupiness, which I think too many Aperol spritzes do head into that territory. So I always know, okay. I go to restaurants now, again, I, I drink everything on ice in the summer. I'm like, can I get a Prosecco on ice with a like a suggestion of Aperol, just, just, a, just a smidge? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's kind of like my the dry martini I like, where I say just just show the martini the vermouth. Don't don't just show yeah. it. Just take the bottle and wave it above. Don't don't open the bottle. Just wave it in the general neighborhood. That's all that I want out of the vermouth when it with, with the martini. Acknowledge it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, I don't, I, 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 so that's I, I, that's where I'm at this summer. I want it fizzy in the summer, and I want it really, really cold, and I love everything on ice. I might drink my beer on ice. I know people give me a lot of shit about that, but whatever. Um, so Marissa, um, who is a much more knowledgeable, refined person than I, um, you know, she's introduced me to a couple of things. One, which I love, and you can look for, are carbonic reds. Um, I just bought a case of, there's a winery called the, the Marigny, uh, M-A-R-I-G-N-Y, um, which is, references the neighborhood in New Orleans, which is where the winemaker was kind of from. And now he has a, a winery out in Oregon. Uh, and it's a, he makes these, this carbonic Pinot Noir. And what carbonic means is part of the winemaking process, which Marissa could explain better than I. But it sort of infuses, imbues the wine with a slight effervescence. It's not quite carbonated in the way that a Prosecco or a Champagne would be, but you drink it and there's just a little, a little zip to it. You're like, ooh, it kind of like tingles the tongue. Um, and so with these wines, these reds, like they're, they're light in color and in body. You serve them cold. Um, you don't have to put them on over ice, but just you chill them. And they're such a perfect barbecue wine, because they, 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 they kind of go great with ribs, pork chops, that sort of stuff. Um, there's a zippiness to them. Um, they're cold. Uh, and that's something you should be on the lookout for, especially big in the sort of the natural wine world right now. So carbonic reds is something to put on your list, Joe House. Yeah. So this, let me ask you about this, because yeah. I have appreciated your efforts, uh, and by extension, Marissa's efforts, to um, walk me into the natural wine phenomena. And many times I've been in your company, we've, we've uh, ordered natural wine as the wine that we drink um, for the evening. My personal challenge that I'm trying to overcome is it's, it's still to me like the first whiff that I get, the first sort of um, taste profile I get is it's a smidge musty. It's a smidge like mossy. And that's not yeah. what my brain like processes you know, wine, that's not the association in my head or in my mouth when it comes to wine. What do you, what is, how do you describe the first kind of hit of the carbonic? Is that, is it different or is it in that same sort of basic no, uh, playbook? It, it, well, it depends on the wine. I mean, like, you know, carbonic wine, it's, it, it, it's just common in the Beaujolais region of France. So this is not like an overly sort of natural wine sort of thing. I think a lot of the natural wines that you're calling to mind are sort of often unfiltered wines. Maybe they're a white, they're kind of cloudy. There's a 
certain certain barnyardness to them. Um, and yeah, I, I think that very much is an acquired taste. It's one of those things. The more you drink it, the more you sort of get used to it. It's like you know, smelly cheeses. As a kid, you think a smelly cheese is disgusting, and then you're an adult, and you're like, oh, this Aplace or this Roquefort is amazing. Um, you sort of come around to it. Um, I do think there are a lot of natural wines that are not in that manner. That are filtered. They're they're cleaner. Um, they, they also they're just a little bit lighter typically. Uh, then they're not these big macho reds that you're going to find in Napa or Bordeaux. Um, and like I said, I, I really like them, especially in the summertime. They're just kind of, they go down easier. So, like I said, a, a carbonic red I love, Petnat, which is a Petulon Natural, and that's kind of a natural version of a of, of a Prosecco or Champagne, but with less carbonation again, fruity. Oh. Um, or then finally, what Marissa was writing about in our new issue, and you mentioned uh, something called co-ferment. Um, I'm just going to read her because she knows what she's talking about and I don't. Uh, co-ferments are made by fermenting multiple grape varieties in one vessel, red, white, Seriously, any grape can be co-fermented with another to create a new expression, but don't confuse them with blends, wines that are fermented separately, then poured together to taste kind of like daiquiris. I'm kidding. Uh, Think of co-ferments like sunsets, slightly unpredictable because you're dealing with nature, but always beautiful. Um, And so that's another sort of sort of wine term to be on the lookout for this year. Uh, and you're, you'll see more of them where, where it's a blend of red and white grapes. And it just gives it a slightly more nuanced, less sort of assertive one-note flavor. And you're like, oh, this is nice. You can serve them chilled. Uh, again, great for summer, great for grilling. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Have you tried any co-ferments yet? I've, had, I've tried some, and then it's one of those things where I was not really paying enough attention as I was, like, hanging out at a barbecue, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is good. It's like I'm hanging out at a barbecue, drinking cold wine, eating, like, a burger. Like, everything's going to be good. So I take Marissa's word for it because everything that she tells me, I tell her she's crazy, and I ignore her, and then two years later, I find myself doing what she was telling me to do two years ago <laughs> when I told when I told her that she wasn't crazy. Um, so that's basically the, the, the way that our sort of relationship has gone these last several years, yes. She's wrong until she's right. And well, she's basically, at the end of the day, always right. Yeah, so she's always right. So that's the idea. Okay, so that... that- so we, we've we've laid out a whole bunch of options in terms of the alcohol component, but I like the driving force behind it, which is like cool, maybe with a little effervescence and, uh, you know, something that's going to go great with our, our grilled meats. Now, uh, we, we've done for all the uh, culinary comrades out there, I think uh, a, a real genuine public service in terms of this reverse marinade hangout vibe. Um, I do, before I let you go, want to hear about this thing that you made for Strahan, because I am kind of curious about, oh, yeah. you, you, it, it was a grill, you had a grill, and I'll let, so we, you, I'll let you tell it, he, right. he put a challenge in front of you, 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 you take it from so there. So we had, we had the three hosts on, Amy Robach, she wanted chicken, so we did these sambal chicken skewers, which are one of my favorite recipes from Bon Appetit, just Delicious. Google that, and, and yeah. it's like a sambal Olex sriracha marinade uh, with chick grilled chicken thighs, boneless chicken thighs, again, can't endorse them enough when it comes grilling season, instead of boneless chicken breasts, they're just juicier, more flavorful, um, and I love anything on a skewer, you get that more little crispy bits, things quick cook more evenly and quickly when you can cut them into even-sized chunks. Um, so we did that for Amy. We did the, uh, the soy marinated flank steak uh, after marinade, marinade after grilling for Stephanopoulos. And then Strahan, 
he was like, okay, <laughs> we're, I'm meeting with my publicist. She's like, okay, so Michael wants grilled dessert and he really likes chocolate. And we're like, well, what the F are we supposed to Like, what? Like, who gri- Like, what, who does this? Like, just, or, you know, eat an ice cream sandwich. And so eventually we came around to, okay, we'll just give him what he wants. So what we decided to do is a grilled s'mores ice cream sandwich. Um, so we took a brioche roll, grilled that, you know, cut it in half, grilled it flat side down so it got nice and hot and crispy, took it off the grill, and then smeared it with Nutella. So this Nutella kind of melted, like when you ever take toast and you spread peanut oh, butter on there, it gets that. all glossy, you know? Yes, And melty. Yes. Meanwhile, yes. we had some skewers with some marshmallows going, so they got all hot and crispy and gooey on the inside. Slid that off, you know, you sort of like pinch pinch the loaf, of, uh, pinch the brioche loaf around the skewer, so you slide off the marshmallows. And then to that, threw a, a scoop of vanilla ice cream on top, put the top of bun on and squished it all down. And you have like an incredibly messy but delicious grilled s'mores ice cream sandwich. Um, now, it was kind of awesome. Eat, can, can you eat it with your hands? Yeah, you can. Well, it's interesting. So Ginger, one of the, the gals on set, she was doing it open face style, which made sense because it, okay. it depends on what size, what size uh, brioche you get. The thing is, this actually is rooted in tradition. If you ever go to Sicily, um, you will often get gelato served in little sweet brioche rolls, and it's like a Sicilian ice cream sandwich. That's how they do it there. So the gelato is nice and soft. The little uh, the brioche rolls are really soft and squishy, and it makes for like a, a, a great, delicious, you know, the pistachio uh, gelato tucked in there. So, you know, there is a precedent for this. Um, I, think a, I think the key to making it work is buying good brioche rolls that aren't too big. You know, I don't know if you would need, honestly... I think you could do it without the marshmallows. Yeah, the marshmallow and the Nutella seem like slightly redundant, but I'm I'm imagining this is like in the same phylum as my very favorite dessert on planet Earth, which is profiteroles, which is you know puff mm, pastry yeah. with with ice cream and and chocolate uh, on top, or like the basic components of a profiterole. I'm, I mean, I'm not doing it full justice, but. Um, you're basically yeah. taking the, the the brioche and you're adding it, you know, adding a layer of sweetness uh, with the Nutella and marshmallow or not, depending on your your preference. And then you can use the brioche as like the the hand tool to like grab the 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 you know use a scoop of ice cream and you squish it in there and you can hold it and then drizzle chocolate or or not or or whatever other sort of condiment on top. If that's the vibe, am I getting it right? Yeah, I think you need the chocolate. I think you need the chocolate more than you need the marshmallow. Because if you have the ice cream, I don't think you need the marshmallow. And the thing about the the brioche, when you think about it, if you're talking about profiteroles, so the little puff pastry guys, the little pot of choux dough, yeah. the, those puffs, they're, they're not sweet. What is sweet right. is the vanilla ice cream and the chocolate syrup that gets poured all over it. So not every element needs to be sweet. So, again, I think it's finding a way to, you know, it is it, it you know or whether you're talking about you know pan perdue which is basically French toast like something sort of bready and carby that can sort of be a, a a base for all the sweet stuff on top of it so I I want to I want to experiment some more with this uh, but the notion of something grilled I, I would also like the notion of before I grill. Uh, the brioche, for instance, like maybe brushing it with some melted butter, so that when it's 
put down on the grill, it really takes on some beautiful color. And maybe you just take one half and sort of cut it open a little bit or something so that it's almost like a hot dog roll and you, and you put the oh. ice cream and Nutella in there. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of a way uh, to have a little bit more even disbursement of – disbursement? Is that even a word? I don't know. Of the, of the Nutella, the vanilla ice cream, and the roll. The one that we made for Strahan I thought was too roll forward. There was a little bit more bread uh, than it needed to be, but I, I think there's something there. We just need to take a bit more time to develop it. Yeah, well, Wait, how, good. Meanwhile, can, can I change subjects? Please do. I am a diehard charcoal guy. Like, I have always preached charcoal. It gets yes. inarguably hotter than a gas grill. Um, you smell charcoal. You know it's summertime. You know it's time to crack open a beer and start grilling. I bought a gas grill this year. I, I, I don't hold that against you. Um, for the frequency of the cooking. Now, I you, you also have your charcoal grill. It's not like you took your charcoal grill... And and threw it off the dock or anything, right? Just sitting side by side with your gas grill. Am I right? Yeah. And so what I realized, and this was partly com- neighbors complaining about the smoke. I live in New York City, so it is we live rather uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder with each other. Um, the a charcoal grill, yeah, great for the weekend. Yeah. Tuesday night when I literally don't even get home from work till seven p.m. It's nice to have that option where I can just turn it on and it's ready to go. Now, that said, because I'm like a fancy boy, food editor, I bought a really fancy gas grill called Lynx, L-Y-N-X, um, that are just, they get insanely hot. And it's like an entire, if you ever see some of those gas grills that have a sear station, which get all orange, you know, in a certain part, the yeah. grill, the entire thing is a sear station. So it gets blazing hot. And that's the thing. Most gas grills, like the the cheaper ones you buy, are just three little flame strips that don't create that wall of heat that charcoal will. And and that's that's the big advantage to charcoal. You have a bed of glowing orange coals that just generate this wall of heat. That that's how you get that beautiful even sear on a ribeye. Um, whereas gas grills typically it's the the grates of the grill that heat up. So that's where you get those little just grill marks, but you don't get an even cooking crispiness. So. I'm okay with the gas grill if you get a really nice one, and there are nice ones out there. The problem is they're typically much, much more expensive because they're like, you know, it's like the difference between buying a Porsche and buying a Camry. Um, and I guess I'm snobby enough about grilling that if I was going to do it, I needed to get a good one. But I, I do have to admit that it's like, oh, that was really easy and really quick. And so I, I've kind of come around in my in my older years that I'm like, all right, I'm not totally anti-gas grill. I'm just more particular when it comes to the gas grill. Well, it just it, it it's opened up another avenue for you. Like you had you had un un undeservedly uh, turned off the possibility of of weekday grilling because it's not like you come home from work and they're going to take the time to go ahead and build the the um, the charcoal in your uh, what's it's, the thing it, called? It's, it's courtyard. Oh, charcoal well, chimney. The chimney. You're not going to build the charcoal in the chimney and wait for it and then let it get all white. And I mean, it's a it's a weekend I, I, process. I, I it do, makes sense in I, a weekend I, life. Yeah, I do, and I have, but it's just one more thing to worry about. Where it's interesting when you have time, like on the weekend, and I'm sitting outside. I love that process of watching the right. smoke creep up, and then you yes. smell it, and then you see it turn to orange flames. You dump it out, and you're just standing there with your beer, talking with your friend, looking at the fire. It's yes. relaxing. It's meditative. It's, it's rapturous. When it's yes. On, yeah, on Tuesday night when it's 8.15 and it's the fire is still not ready, you're like, it's a point of stress. So, yeah. again, it, it's so much of circ- it's circumstance. 
A lot of America has already has already you know reached the conclusion about Tuesday nights. They know that's why the gas grills are so popular. And and you know I'm glad to hear that you've relented uh, in 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 your uh, middle age uh, with with you know taking the stubbornness level down a bit. That that's a very commendable. Um, my my question to get that kind of heat though for this grill it feels like you might have to use a lot of fuel. Is it a a, a gas gobbler? Is it a propane maniac? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I, I've I've only gone through my I've not even gone through my first tank of propane, so it, okay. it doesn't seem to be insane. But I I have a hard time of gaining a sense of how much propane is used on each one. Um, I need to go get another propane tank, and they're a little. Yeah, it's not easy in New York City because of like fire hazards and this and that. Like you can't just buy a bunch at the Home Depot. You got to return one before you get another. Yada yada. So um, I need to get better schooled in that whole situation. But well, I'm, I'm working you, on it, and yeah, you have time. That's absolutely right. Uh, well, look, we I think we we've done it for for all the taste buds, the hungry homies out there. We've given you uh, a, a cut of meat you might not have thought about. We've given you a marinade technique you might not have thought about. We've given you a handful of drink options. There is now a beautiful dessert option that remains a work in progress, even for the hungriest homie himself, Adam Rappaport, and the test kitchen at Bon Appetit. I mean, it's yeah. not like you you, you, know you, you have the opportunity to go to do a little trial and error, buddy. I would say this. I would say to all the listeners out there who have been so great. Anytime I've been on, it's it's amazing how many of you guys will DM me when we've done we did that Caprese episode the first time, and people are sending shots of their peach or fig caprese or Absolutely. just caprese's. People have always been really great at sort of sharing their images of what we talked about. So I would be curious, like who can sort of come up with the best version of this grilled ice cream sandwich? You know, what what what's the ideal bun? What is it Nutella? Is it chocolate sauce? You know what? How do you do it best? Because I'm totally open, and I would love to see that. Because I do think there's a potential there. It just needs to be refined. I, I, if, if, there, if anybody out there is uh, uh, equipped to take on this challenge, it's it's the taste buds that listen to House of Carbs. So we'll do this, Rappo. You are on the Instagram. You are at Rappoport, at R-A-P-O-P-O-R-T. And we also have at the House of Carbs, we will be cross-referencing one another. We'll get a couple pictures up of your beautiful pork from last weekend. Maybe we'll throw up a couple of photos of, of what these uh, alcohol beverages we're talking about. And then all the taste buds out there, you hit us. Hit Rappaport, hit at the House of Carbs, and, and let's go ahead and, and see what you can do with this uh, crazy s'mores thing. Rappo. Yeah, I, see, I would love to see that. And then for recipes, you can go on bonapetit.com for the gochujang pork shoulder steaks or just Google pork shoulder steaks, bon appetit. It'll pop up. That flank steak one is soy sauce marinated grilled flank steak and scallions. Uh, they're both awesome. Uh, Joe House, thank you for having me on once again. Always a pleasure, Rappo. It'll, it'll be fall soon enough, and we'll be talking about some delicious chili, I hope. Mm. Football food. Thanks, buddy. Our brother, see ya. All right, my taste buds, there you go. Hopefully, you are feeling empowered, having heard from those two old House of Carbs friends of ours. Beautiful recipes from Rappo in particular. We will get up on the Instagram, at the House of Carbs is our IG address. We'll get some pics up of 
some of those recipe ideas that Rappo was discussing with us. And if you have your own hand that you've tried and you have some picks you want to send our way, hit us at the House of Carbs. We'll get them up there. We love the belly sourcing. We are back next week, my hungry homies. A delicious, delightful episode with a very special guest, somebody that I really feel like it's, it's, it's amazing that we've been on for two years and haven't had this person on yet. Also, check out the Instagram. I am going to be on the road. Las Vegas, Nevada, and Los Angeles, California. There will be lots and lots of eating going down in both those places. There will be Instagram stories and pics at the House of Carbs and at House from D.C. Check it out and give me your feedback, if you have any, on where I ought to eat during these adventures. Until next week, my hungry homies, let's stay hungry out there. Yeah.